take your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms. We've been doing a series, just kind of getting us prepared for Thanksgiving, and we're going to be at chapter 137. So Psalm, in the middle of your Bible, we're looking at chapter 137. And today we're talking about uh, when I'm not feeling very thankful. And so one, Psalm 137 reminds us of that. So we've got to uh, just listen to their situation. So we'll pick up in verse 1. It says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion, when we hung our hearts upon the willows in the midst of it, For there, those who carried us away captive asked us of a song, and those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forgot you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Remember... O Lord, against the sons of Edom, Edom, the days of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it to its foundation. O daughters of Babylon, who are to be destroyed, happy the one who repays you as you have served us. Happy the one who takes and dashes the little ones against the rock. And let's just go ahead and have prayer. Lord, will you bless us as we study your word? Give us wisdom. Help us, Lord, to be challenged. And I thank you so much for your people, their faithfulness, their love for you, and their love for each other. I pray that you would just fill each person today with your spirit. And let us, Lord, just be able to draw nearer and closer to you. And we ask your blessings upon each person now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, some people, they don't feel like giving thanks this year. It's been a tough year. There's many people because of the pandemic that's missed out on a lot of things. People have missed out being with their friends and family. They've missed out. There's, there's seniors that have missed out on senior activities or students that have missed out on students' activities and ball games. And There's grandparents that haven't seen their grandchildren since the spring. And then we've just been told by experts that, you know, Big families don't need to be able to get together. They don't need to be able to eat and uh, Thanksgiving and spend the holidays together. So there's a lot of people that are just thinking, hmm, I really don't much feel like giving thanks. Well, the situation was bad also there um, with the children of Israel. They... When it talks about them being by the rivers of Babylon, uh, that means they were going in to captivity. They were going into captivity. And when you're going into captivity, you don't feel like much giving thanks. And that's kind of what they tell us in, 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 uh, in, in verse 37. That we've, or excuse me, in chapter 137, it says they were by the rivers and they, they wept. And then it says they, they even hung up their harps because who wants to, as verse 4 said, who wants to sing a song when you're in a foreign land? They were being held captive. Now, you know, there's a lot of people today that are in captivity, although it may not be a physical captivity, and it may not be a captivity just because of the pandemic. 
There's people that are in captivity today because of their sin. Mark this verse down. John 8, 34. Jesus said, when you sin, guess what? You become a slave to that sin. So people are addicted to sin. We just had a wet drive-o in Wayne County about alcohol. Do you know there's a lot of people that are addicted to alcohol? They're alcoholics. So there's a lot of people that basically that alcohol has its hold upon them. There's people that are addicted to drugs. It's, it's, it basically, it's in control of their life. There's people that aren't just addicted to drugs and alcohol. There's t- people that are addicted to sins with, they, with their mouth that they speak. Chuck Swindoll talked about uh, a professor that was coming into Dallas to give a lecture. And so he needed a haircut and went to a barber shop there in, in Dallas he was getting his hair cut, and the barber kept using four-letter words. They were talking about issues, and he kept using four-letter words. And you could tell that this professor, it was bothering him, and he was trying to bite his lip. Chuck Swindoll said he had a friend there that was in, inside, and that's how he knows what had happened. And he was telling him the story, and he said all of a sudden, his, his, the professor grabbed the barber by his arm, and kind of pulled him in front of him. And then he looked him in the eye, and he grabbed his own ear, and he said, does this look like a sewer? He said from then on, he finished cutting his hair in silence. People get addicted to saying words that they shouldn't say. They don't even realize they're saying them. People get addicted to gossip. We get addicted to all kinds of sin. You know, people are actually addicted to Facebook. They're addicted to computer games. And those things aren't necessarily bad, but when it consumes your life, when you get angry because you're interrupted or angry because or you begin missing work or, miss, or missing your responsibilities, it's taken over your life and it becomes a sin. And so there's people that are in captivity and therefore when you're in captivity, you don't feel like giving thanks fact, you end up being losing your joy from within. And that's what happened with these people. They had no joy. They say, Why can, how can we sing? If you can't sing, it means you've lost your joy. There's a lot of people that have no joy right now. Have no joy. And many have no joy because of sin that's taken over their life. You know, it's been said that the most, the person that is the least joyful. It's not, some people would say, well, it's got to be the biggest sinner. No, that's not true. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talked about how that Moses chose not to enjoy sin for a season, but to suffer with God's people. You know, sin can be fun. It can, you can have a lot of fun with sin, but it only lasts a season. But you can't participate in sin and have deep joy if you're a Christian. See, it's not the biggest sinner that's the most miserable person in the world. It's actually a Christian who has the Holy Spirit that lives and dwells within them that is the most miserable because the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit does not enjoy the sin. And the Holy Spirit's going to be convicting us. And, and so it, it, it 
causes our conscience to be able to bother us. And so, you can't enjoy life. and You don't feel like giving thanks if sin has held you captive. There's some people that have an unforgiving spirit. They just hold a grudge and they it has consumed them. Their hatred has consumed them. Therefore, they're in captivity and they don't feel like giving thanks. And they don't have any joy within them. And then these people also, they were mocked. You know, they, they carried their instruments with them, but did you notice that they hung them up in the trees? That's what verse 2 said, up on the willows in the midst. You know why they did that? Because the enemy saw those instruments and they said, Hey, sing for us. Sing for us those songs of Zion. They were basically mocking them. Have you ever had people mock you for being a Christian? For wanting to do what's right? And then something go wrong and they say, Hey, where's your God at now? Where's your God? How come God is not... Why is He letting this happen to you? Why is, how come He's not intervened? And so basically they were mocking them. You know, the worst thing is, is these people were in captivity. In a lot of ways, they were getting what they deserved. God had warned them repeatedly. If you read through the, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was sent to be able to warn people. If they didn't repent, captivity was coming. People, instead of seeking after God, and and listen, they did seek God. Many times things would happen and they'd say, oh, something's happened. We need to go to church or we need to go to the temple and we need to talk to God. But then they would not change the way that they lived. And not only did they seek God in prayer, but then they would turn around and have a good luck charm or they'd turn around and they would seek an idol or a different God or a false God. They even offered children their own children, as sacrifice on an altar, killing them. God was not happy. And He had to get their attention. Listen to this story here. I heard uh, Adrian Rogers share this story. And, and listen to this. He said, talking about a wayward family, he said one time they were active members of a church, but they lost all interest and had fallen away. The deacons talked to the father and his sons, Jim, John, and Sam, about their condition. The preacher had visited them. There were many people within the church that tried to get them back in church, but all failed. One day, when the boys were out in the pasture, a large rattlesnake bit John, and he became very ill. A physician was called, and after an examination, he pronounced that John was in critical condition. He said, the doctor came out and said, the only thing you can do now is pray. So the father called the preacher and asked him if he'd come over and pray. And so he did, and this was the preacher's prayer. Now listen to this. He said, O wise, righteous Father, we thank Thee that in Thy wisdom that Thou hast sent this rattlesnake to bite John in order to bring him to his senses. He's not been inside the church house for years, and it's doubtful that in all that time he has felt the need of prayer. Now we trust that this will be a valuable lesson to him and that it will lead him to a genuine repentance. And now, O Father, will Thou send another snake to bite Sam and another to bite Jim and a big one to bite that old man? We have been doing everything we know for years to restore them but to no avail. 
It seems that all of our combined efforts could not do what this snake has done. Thus, we conclude that the only thing that will do this family any good is for more rattlesnakes. So Lord, send us bigger and better rattlesnakes, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I don't know that we're going, we want to that extreme, but I will tell you this, that God is at work in every single situation, and He brings or He allows things that take place as an opportunity for us to get our attention and for us to turn back to Him. These people, it got their attention. They realized that they had been influenced and impacted by the neighbors around them and had taken on their ways instead of influencing their neighbors. They realized they had been taking God for granted. And you know, all the things that's happened, sometimes it causes us to maybe to stop and realize that we may have taken some things for granted. Maybe that, uh, and, and by the way, notice in verse 5 what the psalmist says. He said, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. He begins to realize, you know, we've taken some things for granted. And he said, God, if I forget Jerusalem is the place where the temple was. It is the place where they gather to worship. He's basically saying, God, if we forget what we're supposed to be about, if we forget what our purpose is as Christians, then Lord, may you just take my right hand. Most people are right-handed. And he said, will you just remove the skill from me so that I can be dependent upon you, so that I won't forget what you have done, so I won't take you for granted. You know, God has blessed us in the nation that we live in, and many of us have taken it for granted. The freedoms that we have, we can't take those freedoms for granted. Some have said freedom is only a generation away. Be able to do well. And so you'll, you'll get into chapter, in chapter 137 here, verse 7 through 9. Many people have a hard time with this, these verses. Many people wonder even why it's in Scripture. But Charles Spurgeon said, hey, if you haven't been through, um, if you haven't been through certain trials, then it's hard to point fingers at others. For example, if you haven't been through the Holocaust, it's hard to be able to condemn those that's been through it for the attitudes that they have. And just look at the situation here. They had people from Edom that had come, that were supposed to be their allies and friends, that had come through, they were descendants of Esau. And whenever Babylon was tearing down Jerusalem, they were just cheering, raise it, destroy it, knock it, all of it down to the ground, burn it. And they, it was like cheerleading for evil. Have you ever had somebody that was happy that something bad had happened to you? That was cheering and excited because you had failed. That's kind of what they had experienced. The nation Babylon, as they'd come in, the soldiers. Listen, God was using them to punish Israel, but they took it to an extreme. And in verse 9 it says, they even took a baby out of a mom's hand and would dash it against the wall and kill it right in front of them. And there's nothing that they could do. It's hard to be thankful when your enemies seem like are flourishing 
But let me just remind you some truths we have in the New Testament as Christians. Some truths that can help us to be thankful anyway when we're dealing with our enemies. Here's the first one from Ephesians 4.32. You know what Paul tells us? He tells us we need to be willing to forgive because we've been forgiven. The truth is, you and I are sinners. We have rebelled against God. And if we got what we deserve, we wouldn't be blessed. But Jesus Christ loved us enough that although He was perfect, He suffered. He didn't suffer because of His own sin. He didn't suffer because of something He had done in His past. He suffered for you to pay the price of your sin. Jesus went to the cross to be able to to die for each one of us. He loved us that much. And so you and I are to love. We're to forgive because Jesus has forgiven and He loves us. Here's a second thing that Paul talks about in Romans 8. It's just a reminder of what God says, that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We need to be able to turn justice over to God. We need to be able to say, Lord, it's out of my hands and I give it to you. Instead of holding a grudge, I give it to you. And I'm going to allow you to bring forth justice. Now, God does work through government. We, we see that in Romans chapter 13, also in Genesis, that God has ordained government to be able to carry out justice. That's how come we want our judges, we want our law enforcement, we want them to be able to do what's right. It just makes everybody, everybody feel better. When justice is carried out, and so the Lord works through them, but even when they don't do right, God ultimately will bring justice, and we need to be patient. Now here, it was going to take 70 years before Babylon would be judged, but Babylon would be judged. And eventually, justice will come. God, vengeance is mine, and we just need to allow God to be able to handle the vengeance And then we need to be able to remember some of God's promises. You know, God works in trials and situations. Let me me, uh, remind you of what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who have been persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're blessed by God when you had the opportunity. And we just need to be able to remember God works in all trials and circumstances. And when we realize that God is at work, You know what that tells us? We don't have to panic. How many times did Jesus tell the disciples, don't fear? And so it may get tough and it may get rough, but don't panic. God is in control. Remember what Peter said in 1 Peter 3, verse 15. He said this, he said, Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Whenever you come up on a situation and instead of reacting in the flesh, we need to be able to stop and just say a prayer and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to allow you to be in charge. I don't, I don't feel this way, but I'm going to allow you to be in control of my life. I'm sanctifying you. That means setting apart. I'm putting you in charge. You're on the throne. And then what you're going to find is 
you might as well be ready to witness because in, he goes on in verse 15 to say this, be ready to give the defense of the reason that you have hope. And that is people are going to start asking or looking or looking for answers. Why are you so different? Joe McKeever told a story about Dr. Chuck Kelly. He's retired now, president of New Orleans Seminary. And so his wife actually told the story, and, and she uh, said that they went out to eat for their anniversary, went to a nice restaurant. And she said as the maitre d' was setting the, getting ready to set the, uh, seat them, he looked at her husband and he said, Kelly, that's a strange name for a person that has such a Jewish nose like yours. How do you have a nose like that? And she said, and her husband just said, you know, I have a Jewish Savior who loved me enough to give me his nose. And as they sat down, she said, wow, that was a great answer to come up with just like that. And he said, well, you know, when I was in seminary, I laid my nose on the altar, and I just said, Lord, if you give me a chance, I'll blow it for you. And so she giggled, and he said, listen, honey, the truth of the matter is, is when you have Jesus Christ on your mind, eventually he's going to come out of your mouth too, and you're going to tell others about him. And when we sanctify Jesus as Lord, and He is on our minds, we can't help for Him to come out and to share Him with our mouths. And you know, ultimately, isn't that what we want to do? Isn't that what's going to make the difference in people's life? Isn't that what's going to make a difference in eternity? Is when we share Christ. You know, you may not feel like giving thanks. But we have a lot to give thanks for. There's a lot of things we've taken for granted in the past. And as we look back over, we just realize we've been blessed. And in the future, we still got a lot of things to be thankful for. And even when we don't feel like it, even during these difficult times, when people see that Jesus Christ rules and reigns in our lives, they're going to, be, they're going to want to have a part of it. So let me ask you this last question. What's keeping you from being thankful? For some today, it may be you are in captivity. And I'm telling you, today is the day in which you need to be able to allow Jesus to free you of those bonds. He's the one that can forgive you. And for some people, He can provide immediately and will freedom. For other people, it's going to be a walk. And every day, it's going to be a little bit of a battle. But He's going to help you each day as you trust Him to overcome. And when whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. There's other people, forgiveness does need to take place. Some people, your faith's been tested. You just need to be able to call upon the Lord and ask Him to be in control and to help you to walk with Him and to trust in Him and His faithfulness. To know that you're loved because Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you. Let's take a moment and let's just have prayer. Lord, I thank you for this morning, for each person that's here. And Lord, we do count our blessings. We've been blessed. And they may be somebody here today, Lord, that needs to be able today to receive you as Lord and Savior. Have their sins forgiven. And Lord, may you help them today to sense your presence and as they call upon you to put their faith in you, to ask forgiveness and turn from their sins and allow you to be in charge of their lives. Lord, there's people that have allowed themselves to, to not have joy because sin, they're out of the will of God. 
They're out of your will, Lord. And sin has taken over. And we've got Christians that need to be able to seek forgiveness and, and, and be like David and say, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. May you hear their prayers today, Lord. And may they find forgiveness. And may their relationship and joy be restored. And may you help each of us during this time of Thanksgiving. May it be a special time. As Lord, we don't take things for granted, but we're truly thankful for the moments that we have. So may you bless, may you work. And I just ask, Lord, that you would just be able to make telephone conversations, computer, Facebooking, the the. the FaceTiming, and even the, the short visits that people have, may you just bless and make them special and meaningful. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Thanks for being here. And we'll hopefully be back inside and see you next Sunday.